This is the Commercial Property Cashflow Blueprint Podcast. Big Cashflow Property Secrets from retired Byron Bay surfing fanatic and commercial property expert, James Dawson. Hi everyone, it's James Dawson from commercialrealestateinvesting.com.au and in today's podcast, I'm going to have a chat about due diligence of commercial property and why it's so important. Firstly, I'm going to compare why buying a luxury yacht is actually a little bit like buying commercial property. A few years back, I was buying a boat and the broker told me that you negotiate the price first. I had no idea how this situation worked, but he said you negotiate the price first on the yacht, then you send the boat over to be put up on a slip, and a surveyor has a look at the boat, and you have a look at the boat thoroughly, and then if you find something wrong with the boat, you can then renegotiate the price. So uh, let's say there's something wrong with the propeller or the tiller of that boat, and that's going to cost you $2,000 to fix. You can then approach the owner and say, hey, look, that propeller needs fixing. I'm going to reduce the price. Now, buying commercial property can be a little bit similar depending on how you go about it. You can actually do the numbers on commercial property purchase and negotiate a price. And also at the same time, you're starting to do the major due diligence items, which I'll run through the three very important areas of due diligence. It's a very big subject, this one, and won't obviously be able to cover it all in this podcast, but just to give you an overview of what needs to happen. And essentially, what can happen in commercial property purchases is that if something's misrepresented to you, you may get the opportunity down the track, have the price adjusted so that you know that you're getting the deal you were thought you're getting in the first place, or certainly making an adjustment that makes the deal worthwhile proceeding. Now, as I mentioned, I'm not going to cover every part of due diligence uh, in this podcast, but essentially there's three major areas that you need to cover. And as I said before, there's no need to do absolutely everything before you decide to perhaps make an offer on a property. But you've got essentially three separate areas, and they are the building, the physical structure of the property, the state here as well. If you're buying a larger property with multiple tenancies, obviously, and owning the whole building, obviously there's a lot more due diligence to do than perhaps if you're buying a small strata title shop or office. Obviously then too, with strata title properties, there is the larger building itself to check out, and you have to do that as well, or your solicitor or planner can do that. But uh, you may initially just be looking physically at the inside of that small office or retail premises. So you've got the three main areas, which is the building. Also then you've got the legal side of things, which encompasses the leases and partly the tenant's background. And then that also rolls into the tenant's uh, looking at the tenant of the property itself and doing the financial due diligence. And what actually happens generally is, of course, that the agent, when you're looking to buy a property, will give you a whole series of numbers, hopefully give you all the information in a nice, neat format. Quite often they don't. And I'll run through that in the course about how to get all the proper information uh, from the agents because you'll find uh, it can be very frustrating with real estate agents in general that they don't present all the information in one neat package and then you've got to be a bit of a detective to get it all so that you can make a right decision. Now, on the building side of things, you've got a number of different areas there as well. You've got the 
actual physical building itself, the structural property, the mechanical and electrical side of things, that's you know, including the air conditioning and you know, perhaps the plumbing and also you know, fire protection, things like that that are more probably more important uh, when you buy a full building, for example, rather than a strata title. But when you actually go to have a look at a property, the things that you may be looking out for is just the general condition of that property. If it looks very tired and you can see you know, cracks in the floor and the walls, things like that, basically the same as when you're checking out a residential property, that may cause uh, some little alarm bells to ring and make you want to look further into, into that property by perhaps uh, obviously getting a building inspection done. Obviously, if you're not experienced in doing building inspections yourself, I would highly recommend that you would get a building inspector to do these things for you. You'd go right through that property with a fine tooth comb and that's more applicable and obviously more important if you're buying the whole building rather than a small strata title office, for example. Now, it wouldn't be completely put off if you find that the building is badly maintained. Some of it may be cosmetic, some of it may be just meaning that you need to be active on the body corporate to get them to spend some money. Now, the body corporate side of things and checking that out is a whole another subject for a podcast, so I'll leave that out of this podcast, but essentially you do need to check the money side of things with the management company that's looking after a strata title property to make sure that they're doing that correctly and they've been putting away enough money to maintain that property down the track. Buyers that are buying multi-million dollar properties will often use a planner or a professional person to actually do the due diligence for them in conjunction with their solicitor of course as well. So that's something to bear in mind if you are looking at a multi-million dollar property, particularly one that's got several different tenancies, sometimes up to you know, 10 or 20 different tenants. There's quite a lot of work that's involved in checking those things out thoroughly. What normally happens is, of course, that when you negotiate a price for a property is that your solicitor will ask for a due diligence period, which may be 20 or 21 business days, something like that. That can be a bit negotiable. The uh, people selling the property will probably want it shorter rather than longer. So you can get your solicitor to help you negotiate that. But essentially what happens is that's gonna give you time and your solicitor time to check everything out to make sure that what's been presented to you is true and correct. I personally use a checklist to make sure that I'm asking the agents all the questions to get all the information that I need. So generally I will ask them for all sorts of things, but including plans for the property, any sort of service agreements that they may have for air conditioning or fire services, a full copy of the leases of course, and uh, that often will be handled by your solicitor of course, who will uh, write write the uh, vendor solicitor a letter and say please send a current copy of the lease if you don't already have it so he can start checking that as well. And also any approvals that the property may have, you want to sort of check out that it is actually zoned commercial for example, it's an obvious one, but uh, you'd be surprised that sometimes people are selling things that the uh, business or tenant that's operating that property actually shouldn't be operating in that particular property and that may need a new approval, may not be an absolute problem or a deal breaker, but you may need a new approval to be granted prior to proceeding with the purchase. And when you gauge a solicitor, generally they will give you a letter saying, look, this is what I'm going to do for you. I'm gonna check out all the following things. Very similar to buy a residential property, they'll start checking out things like, you know, is there a highway gonna be built through the property? Is the zoning correct? 
is there any illegal work on that property that's been done that hasn't been approved so are there any council notices against that so essentially with commercial property it is very similar but there's a lot more to check out because you really want to get them to check out thoroughly the lease of that property has been thoroughly executed you're making sure that the rent reviews are up to date and also that the tenants paid the proper bank guarantee for example a solicitor also will often check out the service contracts of a larger property for you to make sure that they're accurately executed and sometimes there's an opportunity there for you as the new landlord to have a thorough look at those to make sure you're not paying too much money for example having the air conditioning service which those sort of things can obviously cost you dramatically and reduce your net return. It goes without saying, if you're looking at a property that the deal is dependent on, say, being developed at the back of the property or being able to be strata titled, that there are particular things that you will need to check and you may need to involve a town planner to have a look at those. Just at this point of the little podcast too, there's that favourite saying of uh, real estate investors, caveat emptor. Let the buyer beware. I didn't learn Latin at school, but it's one of those Latin uh, things that stuck in my head over the years. I can remember uh, members of my family saying that. The rule is that the buyer must really examine and judge and test for himself, and that applies to uh, all purchases of property, whether residential or commercial. So you certainly need to check things out and be aware that Agents are generally honest, but they may have made a mistake in telling you something that's not actually correct, and you don't want to base your decision on something that's not correct. Now, who does all these jobs of due diligence? Essentially, I do part of them myself. Sometimes I'll involve a planner, but certainly a solicitor is probably doing 60% of the due diligence when I'm looking at a property. One of the things that I like to do myself is talk to the agent and get some proof of the tenant's payment history and a general feel for how those people are going. Now let's say you look at the tenant and you find that look they're consistently one week or two weeks late uh, in their rent payments. Now that may just be that the agent's been a little bit slack if they've been there for 10 years and that seems to be the pattern of their payments. It really means that the agent's probably a little bit lacking in that case but the tenant's probably okay. Obviously it's better if they're paying on the first of the month if that's the due date but if you find looking at the records that some months they're a month behind and other months they pay on the dot and then you know, the next month they're slipping back again and it's a little bit erratic or if there's a pattern more recently in their tenant history where they're getting a little bit later and later and have to be chased up more and more, that would definitely ring alarm bells and I'd be looking thoroughly at that tenant's business operation to see if uh, they're going to survive into the future. Your lawyer will also summarise all the leases of the property. Your lawyer may find mistakes in that document and certainly over the years I've found lots of lease documents that have contradictory uh, clauses in them. For example, uh, air conditioning is a favourite one of mine that I look at because quite often on one page of a lease it will say that the tenant is due to maintain the air conditioning system in a building and then on another page it'll say a landlord is uh, up for any major repairs to that air conditioning. Well quite often of course if the tenant's not maintaining the air conditioner in the first place that's going to cause major damage down the track which then according to that lease the landlord may have to pay. So that's something that may need some clarification at that time and perhaps if you can't adjust it right now, you'd certainly be wanting to adjust that if that lease comes up for renewal in the future.
Now let's say that something comes up during the due diligence period, so you may have arrived at a price of the property, and this is where our commercial property can actually be easier perhaps than buy a residential property because you know, you're trying to be emotion free during this whole process. So you've negotiated a price, you're starting to check every little detail as much as possible of the property, the tenant, and also the uh, leases and financial sections of the due diligence. So in practicality, how does this work in a normal uh, negotiation for a commercial property? So let's say you found a property and you've run the basic numbers and you've negotiated a price that's going to show you a great net return or something that's very acceptable to you for that property. You've done basically a mini due diligence. I set out in my course actually how to do a mini due diligence quite thoroughly because you really would like to be able to do those quickly. It's great to be able to do a mini due diligence yourself enough to arrive at a number that is going to be acceptable to you to provide a great return for a particular property and if it's not that way you can determine that that property may be a dud for you at the moment and you can just move on to find the next one but essentially what happens is you can negotiate a price and put that to the agent let's say that gets accepted then you start uh, your lawyer and you, yourself and perhaps your town planner may start the whole due diligence process in in earnest and uh, certainly have a negotiated time period for that. It might be 21 business days, which actually works out to be a bit over a month in real terms. Uh, they may agree to only 14 days. It's still probably a reasonable amount of time to do it. And then let's say you find something wrong with that property. It might be something, for example, that you know there's some major plumbing issue or uh, it might be something that you know the agent's misrepresented. I won't use an example here, but let's say it's something that perhaps is a cost to you of $20,000 and you could then say, well look, that was misrepresented to me, I'm gonna walk away from this deal. Now, of course the owner thinks he's had the building sold for a couple of weeks, so he's rubbing his hands together waiting for that settlement. So now's a great time to perhaps go back and say, look, I'm very unhappy about this item that's come up, but if we can renegotiate the price, I'll certainly proceed with that deal. Now quite often that is a win-win situation because sometimes the owners aren't aware of these things as well and they might think, oh boy, I've now got to fix XYZ, I may as well just sell the property because it's going to cost me this anyway. And like buying the yacht, if I don't fix it now, the next guy puts that boat up on the slip to look at it, it's going to find the same problem and then move on and have to fix it again. So you may as well negotiate with the person now and get the deal done. And quite often that's what happens in commercial property deals. The owners generally are business-minded people and they'll think, wow, I've been you know, proceeding on with this buyer for a number of weeks now. I may as well just reduce the price a little bit more and move on. Now, of course, that's not gonna change your net return because if it is a genuine repair, for example, you're gonna to have to pay for that, but at least you're aware of it and you'll have the property back to square one. A lot of larger investors often say the ultimate due diligence for a property is a valuation. And quite often, myself included, I've actually paid for a valuation on a property prior to negotiating the final price or prior to making an offer. Now this is obviously very important if you're looking at an auction property or something that's expressions of interest. As you know from my previous podcast, it's not my favorite way of buying a property at auction because uh, it's all very pressurized. That's exactly what the agents want. They want to pressurize the situation and, 
and really get the best price for a vendor that way. Uh, so what you can do if you're looking at an auction property is, is to make sure that you're not going to bid too high is actually pay for evaluation. If you're dead set keen on a property that's going to an auction, sometimes it is worthwhile paying for evaluation of that property so that you know that that particular number that's arrived at is going to be supported by the valuer for your finance application because obviously you don't want to go to auction and then find you can't get the finance because perhaps you paid twenty, thirty, or $100,000 too much for that property. Although sometimes they will adjust it at an auction situation because given that it's an auction that uh, they say that can be the market price. But essentially let's say you're looking at a property that was say $700,000, that's what the valuer says it's worth. You might say okay I'm happy to go to $720,000 something like that and you can work that out. Valuers essentially do perform a mini due diligence but they will have a disclaimer on the valuation saying that you know they've relied upon the information as presented to the, to them by the agent so if the agents made a mistake um, the valuer may be working on numbers that are in, in effect actually a little bit wrong so you still need to check them out but it's just something to mention that some people do say evaluation is the ultimate due diligence of a property now this uh, little podcast obviously doesn't cover everything in due diligence it's a huge subject and if you're looking at some properties to buy essentially get some advice from your solicitor or lawyer about this and make sure that it's done thoroughly and that you're completely happy before you proceed on with the purchase i hope you found this little podcast interesting thanks for the great comments on these podcasts and any comments welcome for some new podcasts that would be great thank you